Who remembers learning how to drive? Come on, hands up. This is participation sport. It's going to be really dull if it's just me up here. Um, my dad, my dad was a doctor, and uh, he, um, all, all of his, all of his colleagues had, you know, nice fancy cars, and uh, you know, with their with their Beamers and their Mercedes, they'd go and park in the special doctor's car park at Exeter Hospital. All very lovely, and you know, the more private practice you did, the the bigger the the car got. A little bit of NHS stuff on the side, um, and uh, but Dad. No. Dad had a little Fiat 127. Dusty old grey thing, mouldy carpets, rust. And, you know, once we'd learned to drive, I think, you know, he kind of knew what was coming. Once, he learned to, once we'd learned to drive, you know, that was the car that we were allowed to drive. Well, maybe he was saving himself later on to get... No, he's still not bought the Beamer. Um... Anyway, uh, a little while after I'd passed my test, um, I am out in my uh, dad's little uh, lawnmower, um, which is what it sounded like, and um, uh, driving possibly a little too fast, uh, just a, a smidgen. I mean, it was only a, a slightly narrow road with cars up both sides, kind of going round a slight bend in a residential street, only a bit too fast. And uh, ahead of me... Some dopey individual didn't see me coming and pulled out in front of me. It's outrageous. Took out most of the left-hand side of the car. I won't tell you what sex she was. Sorry! Oh, gosh. That was a cheap joke, I'm sorry. Um, and you know, I got home and mum and dad are having a dinner party. And I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? What am I going to say to Dad? And I, and I get in, and I'm like, Ooh, and I kind of put, you know how you, kids poke their heads gingerly around the door? It's like, what, what's happened, son? I say, uh, Dad, I've, I've had this accident uh, in your car. And he said, uh, I, I said, this person pulled out in front of me, and, and uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't going fast, Dad, honestly, Dad, honestly, it was all fine. And... Uh, he just looked at me, he said, Mark, he said, which side of the car? And I said, the left-hand side. He said, oh, that's fine then, don't worry about it, that side needed doing anyway, so it's all all right. Sometimes that's exactly the response that you want from a, from a dad or a parent, isn't it? That, that actually they just show you amazing amazing grace uh, it wasn't quite the same amount of grace uh, when I was doing a paper round as a slightly younger kid and uh, dad on that one and only morning that he's ever done it in the whole of my life decided to go into my room because he had it, it has never happened in my father's life had run out of socks you know he has socks that are labelled for the day of the week He's that organized. And on that, oh, the only day it could ever possibly have happened, he goes into my room to get a spare pair of socks from me. The morning before, on my paper round, I had found a half-smoked packet of cigarettes. 
and had hidden them in the only place I knew that my dad would not look. Because he has his socks ordered. He was furious. Which is what I needed him to be. In this uh, story today, this wonderful parable, just another name for a story that Jesus tells, uh, he's telling it to a particular group of people. These are the Pharisees. The Pharisees uh, in Jesus' day, they were the ones uh, that knew how to live before God and they kind of they had all the rules and they obeyed all the rules and they were really intent on making sure that everyone else obeyed all the rules so they were pretty upset with Jesus and uh, Claire read us the kind of the bit that precedes it which is uh, the context and so they are upset with Jesus because Jesus is the man who welcomes sinners and he even goes and eats with them Jesus eats with people who don't obey the rules And so he tells this whole series of stories, and we're going to look at them this week and next week as well. Um, And today's story, he tells the story of uh, this son. He's had enough of living at home with his dad. He's, he's, He's decided it's time to go and make his own way in the world. So he finds his dad, and he comes up to him and says, Dad, he said, I want my inheritance, and I want it right now. Basically, what he's saying to his dad is, I wish you were dead because then I could have your stuff right now. He's saying, I don't care about you. I want it now. Really interesting response from his father. Because if you... There's this little set of verses in the Old Testament about how you're supposed to divide up inheritance. And what happens is, uh, if... uh, the, the firstborn son gets a double portion. Reasonable, isn't it? <clears throat> Number three. Oh. There are two lads here. So the property should have been divided up into three. It doesn't say that that's what happens. What it says is happens is just that the father divided up the land, divided up the property. So if it's like a, you know, if it's a farming business, it's like, that's a lot of property just gone. Even though the, the son has been incredibly rude and said, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have your stuff now. The father is gracious and gives him not just a third as the younger son, but seems to give him more than that. And the really tricky bit is that if you read on in um, Deuteronomy 21, this is Old Testament law, I'm really glad that we don't live in this now. Um, Actually, this was not the appropriate response for a Jewish dad to his son. What he should have done was uh, taken this rebellious son outside the city walls and they should have stoned him to death. Serious, hardcore discipline, this isn't it? Um, Not allowed now, thankfully. And the boy takes all the stuff that his dad gives him. And he goes and lives the high life. He goes and buys the BMW or the Tesla or whatever it is. That car that's going to go super fast. And he squanders the whole lot on high living. And he parties well. And then suddenly he realizes that he should have paid more attention in maths. Because he's all gone. 
Maybe he should have taken a bit of it and invested it. Would have been wise, a bit of property himself or whatever. But no, he's blown the whole lot. He thought the party wouldn't end, but it does. And so he goes and searches for some kind of place where he can even get food. And this is a Jewish boy. And he lands in the worst place a Jewish boy could land. At a pig farm. Feeding the pigs. He's got nothing left. All he can do is eat the scraps that were meant for the pigs. I mean, he's not just gone low, he's gone the lowest of the low. And at this point, don't forget the Pharisees. These are the guys that like the rules. They're like, yes, Jesus, this is a good story. We love this story because the boy who was badly behaved got his comeuppance and so he should stay there with the pigs and we hope he rots. They probably, they, I don't think they were pirates, but they probably made that sound. Um, when people get to their lowest point, they need us to be alongside them. You know, the folks that, that I was working with in the previous church, when they would get to their lowest point, it would be a disaster because they'd go back on the drugs, they'd wreck their relationships, it would be utter chaos. I guess with you guys, life's a little bit more tidy. When you get to your lowest point, maybe an extra glass of wine. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting to know you. How's that work? Maybe a bit more wine, maybe a holiday. I, I'm not sure. But the same stuff's going on inside when we get to our lowest point. And what we need at that point is for someone to come alongside us, to someone to come and be with us, to care for us, and to point us back onto the right path. And you know, as a community, I know that you are doing that for so many people around you, both here locally, but also sometimes overseas as well. And we've got a couple here who are just about to go and do uh, just that. And uh, Clive and Claire are just going to come up now and share just about a trip uh, that they're just about to go on uh, to Uganda um, to go and visit Mengo Hospital. Um, And um, Clive, how many years have you been um, supporting uh, the hospital? Is it about 40 years? Well, uh, nearly that. Nearly? <laughs> no, okay. Quite. I got um, my numbers wrong. Yeah, it was a couple of um, people who came to our church when we were going to Bitten, and uh, they were working as engineers at Mengo Hospital, which is in Kampala, um, the main city in Uganda. And um, after, after about 30, you know, 20 years of uh, we were supporting them, we th- I thought, well, I'd like to go and see what what were they actually doing in uh, Mengo Hospital and what uh, Mango, Friends of Mengo, um, who are the charity that we support, uh, are spending our money on. So um, I went out there and um, um, first of all I, I wanted to do something rather than go as a holiday maker. So uh, I asked what I could do and I, as I'm a surveyor they said you can do a plan of the uh, whole hospital site. And it's about the same size as the RUH but... <laughs> That's where the similarity ends because everything is, you know, pretty basic, um, very um, little equipment and very old equipment. And anyway, I was going around the wards with my tape measure because I decided I couldn't use a theodolite because it wouldn't work uh, with all the trees. And um, I met the nurses and doctors in the uh, wards. And um, what they said to me was, 
oh, thank you very much for what the Friends of Mengo are doing for us. Thank you for thinking of us. Um, please pray for us. And that was the motivation, one of the motivations for me going back. Um, that they feel, you know, as though people are not caring for them. And uh, to know that Friends of Mengo are actually doing something and uh, helping them with projects. The sort of projects that we've helped with are, um, first of all, we uh, refurbished the um, uh, three of the operating theatres that they have, and uh, we partner with them. We don't just give them the money. So we said to them, right, you do the building, you refurbish the building, and we'll provide the equipment. And uh, Mark was talking about private hospitals, and uh, I'm a fan of private hospitals now because they are very generous with giving their equipment three or four years, and they offload it um, for nothing, usually, to us. So that's great. Um, And um, other things that uh, um, we are involved in, we're going there um, in 10 days' time, Claire and I, and staying on the uh, hospital site, and uh, we're running a course called... um, um, help the carers and um, train, the, train the trainers. So this is training midwives, 32 midwives on a residential course that we're paying for that are going to be trained so they can go out into Uganda and train other midwives. But we're not running it. We're not running it, no. <laughs> one, one of the doctors from our courses. Um, so, so that's really exciting. And um, anyway, so... Um, um, Western All Saints have agreed the missions uh, team to support the mental health department. And uh, you can see a picture of uh, Sam here. It's Sam and one nurse who run the uh, mental health department because mental health in Uganda has a very low um, status and people think that it is um, people have uh, bad spirits in them and uh, basically there is very little treatment available. Um, so we started supporting fr- Friends of Mango Sam last year, and um, our, our church has decided to spend 50, to give 1,500 pounds um, to uh, to the mental health department, so that Sam can go out into the community and tell people. Because most people go to the witch doctor. 90% of people go to the witch doctor before they come to um, to, to Mango. They found. So the idea is that he's going to tell them, don't go to the witch doctor, come and see me. Um, Sam is a Christian, and uh, it's very black and white. It's, it's evil against good. You, on the one hand, you've got going to the witch doctor. On the other hand, you've got coming to see Sam and the people in the department, uh, a Christian and a Christian hospital. So um, I'd like to say thank you very much for everybody. Um, for supporting uh, Mengo and I'm sure that um, it's going to be very productive both for us and for the hospital. Thank you. Let me pray for you guys. Come on. Um, Father God, thank you so much uh, for Clive and for Claire and as they uh, travel, we pray for your protection upon them and as they are uh, there in Uganda that they would know your leading and that it would be a really fruitful time, that you would guide them to the conversations, the places that they need to be, and that they would know your grace and mercy as they minister in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Brilliant. Get a copy of Mango Notes at the back if you'd like to. Fantastic. 
Wonderful. Well, you see, the thing is, the, the Pharisees uh, thought that was the end of the story. They were like, yes, he's in the pit. We've left him there. Clive and Claire are not happy to leave people in the pit, and actually neither is Jesus. In this place where the younger son is at his lowest point, he has a wake-up moment. Even my dad's servants are eating better than I am. Even my dad's servants are eating better than I am. Maybe I'll go back to dad and, and humbly go and tell him I'm sorry and, and I can go and be one of his servants. I'll go back to him. You know, sometimes when we get to our lowest points, when we're down in the dumps, when we've done a runaway job either from a person that we love or from God, it's really tough to turn it around, isn't it? It's really tough to get to that point of going, oh, I've messed up. I'm sorry. And think about going back. But his son, the youngest son decides to go back. And, and what happens when he goes back is quite wonderful. Let me, let me try and explain it to you. We, we don't usually wear this stuff at this service, but I thought I'd give you all a little treat. Because I want, I want you to... I want you to understand what you know. Men of the Old Testament were like. You know, these are these are my robes from our early service. If you want to see me in these? You've got to come early, okay? This is one and only time. One time wonder. Men in the Old Testament, respectful land-owning men with property. And sons who did what they were told, except this one. And the son comes groveling to the father. And in the passage, what it says is this. While he was still a long way... Oh, son! <laughs> It's not very dignified, is it? <laughs> you see, how, how long's this respectable father been waiting at the edge of his property? Is it today that he's going to come to his senses? And, and these robes represent his his dignity and his estate. And the only way that you can run away is by him up. And then the sun comes. And you know what happens is the, is the sun comes groveling. And the father won't put up with the groveling. 
Because this is his boy who's come home. And Ben is going to come out and help me just a moment. Is that all right, Ben? Yeah, right now. I, well, we haven't talked about it. It's just... Here, give Ben a round of applause. Ben's our church warden. Ben and Pippa. The father won't put up with the son being a, a slave or a servant in his house. He says, no, we're going to have a party. And we're going to put a ring on your finger to represent that you are a member of this household, the special member of the household. And we're going to put sandals on your feet because you're not going to go barefoot in this house. You're not a slave. You're a member of the family. And we're going to get the best robe in the house. One of the father's robes. And we're going to put it on you. And we're going to party because my son's come home. Because my son's come home. And when your son is wearing these robes, everybody knows it doesn't matter what he's done. It doesn't matter where he's been. He is in the father's house, wearing the father's best robes. Welcomed into the father's presence. Folks, some of you are trying to run away from God. And you might be afraid about what it's like if you return. Some of you might not even think that he doesn't exist. But you know what? The Father is waiting for you. And he's waiting to clothe you in his best clothes. You won't have to eat humble pie with him. You won't have to grovel. You won't have to be a slave. As you simply turn and come back to him, he will clothe you in the best possible robes that there are. Thanks, Ben. Restoration. Complete restoration. But there's another story here. The last one. See, there's another son. And the son is out working hard. He's slaving away. Literally slaving away. Working hard. And here's the party going on. The fatted calf has been killed. So why are they celebrating? Oh, your brother, my brother's come home and we're having a party. Someone should have taken him outside and stoned him to death. All right, we don't do that anymore. It's bad. And so he comes and he finds his father. Or rather, he waits outside. He, he won't go in. What happens is the father leaves the party and goes in search of him. And the boy, the eldest boy, says this, Look, all these years I've been slaving, listen to his words, slaving for you, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you gave me, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate your... Have you ever had goat curry, by the way? Hands up if you've had goat curry. Goat curry's amazing. Oh, anyway, sorry, that's a distraction. Um... You never even... I would, I would have loved a goat. You know, just a little goat. They taste so good. Um, so that I could celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours who squandered your property on prostitutes comes home and, and you kill the fatted calf for him. Look. I've slaved for you. And the father's response. 
my son. My son. You see, both sons were invited to the party. The first one doesn't realize what he's got and he wastes what the father has given and he returns sorry and the father celebrates. The second son, the older one, doesn't realize what he's got. He wastes what his father has given. Does he return sorry? Jesus doesn't tell us the rest of the story. You know, so as I, as I come into land, I... I just want to ask you some questions. The first one's this. Do you, do you know who your Father God is? Do you really know whether you're, whether you're a visitor or whether you've been here for decades? Do you know who your Father God is? He's the one that charges towards you, arms open wide, runs to greet you and wants to clothe you in robes of righteousness so you know that you have a right to be with him. Do you know who your father is? Note the father's attitude. He waits for us patiently. He doesn't force us to return. He doesn't force us into his presence. He waits patiently. He talks about us as my son. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, let's just do a little aside. If you're a woman here, that's going to be like half you. Put your hands up if you're a woman. Fantastic. I'm, I'm sorry, but you are sons as well. You, do you know that? You are sons. Because, because if we just kind of water it all down and make it all kind of gender neutral, okay, then you miss out on the sonship. Being a son of the Father. And being a son of the Father means that you are heirs. If you're a fella, put your hand up. Don't worry. You have to be the bride of Christ. It's all equal in God's terms. It's all right. He has compassion for us. He runs towards us. He dresses us in His robes. He throws an amazing party to celebrate. And our part is simply that we have to put our hand up and admit that we've got it wrong. Anyone, anyone here in management? No, you're allowed to admit to it. Look, we're among those friends. Anyone here in management, management consultant or something? You know, a bit, bit higher? bit higher? Okay. You know, when, when things go wrong, okay, we can either, we can kind of go in the cover-up mode you know, it's kind of, yeah. Tesco's, there was nothing wrong with the accounts. No, it's all fine. Yeah. Or we can kind of go, ah, oh, you know what? <laughs> Folks, we messed up. Yeah. You know what God wants from us? What our loving Heavenly Father wants from us is that simple hand in the air that goes, you know what? I messed it up. I tried it my own way. It didn't work done it my way, I messed it up it hasn't worked, I'm sorry that's it, and he does all the rest do you know who your loving heavenly father is both sons needed to return to the father's house 
There's this wonderful story in a Philip Yancey book called What's So Amazing About Grace? About a young girl who goes off on her own. And she goes and lives that kind of life. And thinks that her father will never, ever want to talk to her again. And she and thinks, one last, one last ditch attempt. I've got nothing left. What I'll do is I'll, I'll get a coach through town. And if, if my dad's there at the coach station, then what I'll do is I'll, I'll get out of the coach and, and I'll, and I'll go and say I'm sorry. But, but if he's not, and so she, so she left a message on her dad's answer phone and said, Dad, I'm, I'm going to be passing through town on a coach at, at this time. You know, it was just on the answer phone. She wasn't expecting dad to be there. Dad didn't want to see her anymore. And the coach pulls in. It's not just dad. It's all the family. And they've got banners and they're cheering. Come on, welcome home. Welcome home. God's amazing grace to every single one of you. Do you know who your father is? Maybe you're the younger son running away. It's time to turn around. The Father will welcome you home. Maybe you're the older son. Maybe there are some folks at All Saints who are the older son. I don't know. You've been serving away so hard. Slaving away for Dad. You know, he welcomes you in too. The party's the same. He wants to celebrate. It's been a hard work, but you know what? It's party time. Maybe we might even have some Pharisees here. I don't know. I've not met any yet. Who know the rules. <laughs> Who like the middle of the story better than the end. And the invitation is for them too. Come on home. Come on home. Because Father God wants to throw a party. I'm going to pray. We're going to... Uh, we're going to have a little bit more worship. Um, will you stand with me as I pray? Just right now, in the quietness of your own heart, Is today a turning back day? Either because you've run far away or you've been close all this time, but actually your your heart has got a bit hard. Is today a turning back day for you? If it's a turning back day, then, then do that business with God today. Simply say sorry and Come back into his presence and allow the Father to celebrate with you. Or it might be that you you don't even acknowledge who God the Father is. You know he's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting patiently and lovingly for you. Whether you acknowledge him or not.
and he'll keep on waiting because he loves you. So Father, as, as we just simply worship together now, I, I pray for each one of us, however many times we've been here, that in this moment we would turn afresh to you. In Jesus' name, amen.